so this is what it's like. Welcome to The Good, a new podcast produced by Design Works Group, celebrating people and everything good in this world. Good morning, everyone. You are listening to The Good. It is the week of August 5th, 2019. We hope you all are having a great morning, a great week, depending on when you're listening to this. Uh, This podcast is dedicated to celebrating people and just events going on in the world and in the nation and in your communities that are good. Um, So Logan and I sit down in here every Friday morning, and we just kind of talk about what's going on in our lives that's good, what's going on in the world that we see that's good, what's going on in our community that's good. We just want to highlight um, people and stories that are inspiring and encouraging that might not fit what we usually see on the news. Yep. That's what this whole podcast is dedicated to, and we thank you all for listening. We hope you all enjoy this episode we're just gonna we're just gonna jump right in yeah we always start start this off by um talking about what's good in our lives so what's good man what's good hey man i'm glad to be here today that's good that's good to know yeah i'm excited to be here this morning um yeah man i think um i've been struggling a lot with some crippling crippling anxiety and i'm hoping to get i'm getting better um so been talking through it, but sleep's been real helpful. I've been going to bed early every night this week around 8.30, 9, getting in bed, trying to like watch YouTube videos because that's what kills me. And I'm sleeping better, so I'm feeling a little bit better. Been eating better this week, drinking a lot of water. So physically and mentally, I feel better this week than I probably have in a month, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and we got, we're getting the last weekend, this weekend, next week, we're celebrating people having babies. Yeah. So that's so much fun. Um, yeah. Katie and I are doing awesome. Ellie's awesome. So a lot of good things going on right now. Right now I got to just focus on getting me healthy. I think yeah. that I'm taking good steps. Yeah. That's uh, that's part of my good too. We uh, Logan and I played Home Run Derby um, last Saturday and I was just gassed. I was like, man, I knew I was, I knew I was out of shape. I didn't realize I was like that out of shape. I was sprint. I sprinted for like one baseball and it kind of locked me up how gassed I was. And it kind of, I like, I don't know, I don't like sit down. You did, you did catch it though. I did catch it. For, well, I for sure caught it. So I also started eating a little bit better and I started working out again this week, which right now I'm not feeling too good about it because I'm just extremely sore. So that's a, yeah, yeah, yeah. overall, in the long run, it's going to be a good thing. But right now, I'm kind of questioning my decisions. Do you like that sore feeling? Not this sore feeling. Okay. There's, there's like, that sore feeling some people get where it's like, oh, yeah, I can tell, like, I work my body and, yeah. like, I'm proud of it. But this soreness is, like... Not good. Yeah, it's not good. It's not good. Like, I have trouble buttoning up my <laughs> my pants yeah, yeah, because my chest is so sore. And, like, yesterday I was wearing a button-down shirt and I had trouble getting my arms out of the shirt because my chest was so sore. It's like, golly. It's like a different level of soreness. <laughs> Dude, I, so, do, I dove for a ball out there and and then rolled and tried to crow hop it to you. And as soon as I let go of the ball, I was like, uh-oh. 
And then Sunday, I didn't feel bad. And then Monday, I had a cough. And it was like Monday around like 8.30. I remember looking at the clock, and I coughed. And I realized that my whole body, from my big toe to the top of my head, was all sore and all connected. Just that <laughs> cough brought it back. I was like, oh, no. It's not the same as being 20, man. Yeah. Dude, I had the simplest movement, like bending down to tie my shoes. Just hurts so bad right now. It's a good thing though, man. Yeah, you're so earning it. I'm glad. I'm glad we played Herman Derby because it made me realize how out of shape I was. But now I'm kind of wishing we didn't play Herman Derby because the last like three days, I've just been super sore. You go hit some golf like, balls tomorrow. Sore enough to where I'm like complaining to my like 37 week pregnant wife that golly, I'm so sore. She's over there about to have a baby. And I'm complaining to her about my soreness. <laughs> so, but yeah, that's a good thing, man. We're also about to have a baby. Yeah, and real close. Like three weeks and two days is the due date. This dude might be coming early because our last appointment. He's all there. Our last appointment. He's a he's a pretty big dude already. Yeah, we got or the nursery is probably I would guess like eighty percent done. Just got to paint a few more things and then just put one more thing in there and that's done. So that's exciting. Uh, we're, so done enough though. Yeah, done enough. Like if you came done this weekend, oh, yeah. you're good. I think I think good. once we got the crib built, it was done enough. Yeah, that's for like sure. neat, right? You have a changing table. Yeah, we uh, so we had we bought a dresser, uh, but we didn't have like the changing pad. We got a changing pad the other day, so we're good. I mean, really, those two things. Yeah. Do I have a diaper genie? Yes. You didn't have I to do. have that really, but. It's yeah. kind of nice to have somewhere to throw a diaper. Yeah. So we got all that. That's exciting. It's the most exciting. It's the coolest thing ever. Yeah. So I'm so pumped. Yeah. Yeah. Just like after we finished a lot of that, we dedicated a lot of last week to working on the nursery. And then I just like stepped like outside into the hallways, looking into the room and just like seeing it painted and kind of put together. I was like, golly, it's about to be a human living in here, like a little human baby that yeah, yeah. belongs to us living in here. So that was, that was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, I'd like to make a prediction on your son. Is that okay? Yeah. He's going to be taller than you. He might be. He might come out of the womb walking, hitting dingers off me, dunking on me. Your brother-in-law and father-in-law are tall. Right? They're... Taller than you. Well, yeah. they're. Oh, yeah. They're, they're taller than me. Six foot plus? Oh, sorry. Yes. In-law. Sorry. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. So... The, Oh, that's what I'm saying. Maybe that's gonna push him. Yeah, to be they're maybe six they're foot. they're both uh pretty big people. Yeah, so, so that could be it. That's my guess. Is my guess. But he's he's got a noggin on him. Yeah, and apparently he had a noggin on me too when I was a when I was a baby. So I don't know where he got that from. But you don't. I mean, you don't now. I just I just disguise it with my bush on, bush on top of my head, <laughs> my curly hair. <clears throat> yeah, there's a there's a lot of good stuff going on right now. <laughs> I got to fight for it, man. I'm just naturally negative right now, and so I'm really trying to fight to to find the good and not just weak answers. I, I do have moments where I'm already kind of negative when I get just like fed up with a project. I'm like, I just want to just take a break and rest. But then I step back into that hallway and look into the room. Yeah, and it, it kind of brings everything back for me. I gotta tell you, so, man, I woke up this morning not in the best mood. I was just fighting for it. I really was fighting for it. And then uh, you walked in and told me a story of what happened to you this morning, and you were just laughing so hard, and it just immediately click for me i was like okay it's all good yeah it's all good i'm, I'm not, fine i'm not gonna tell that story but no no no. it was a, it was a, it was a little awkward mo- moment for me yeah and a convenience store it's not like anything bad yeah. just a weird interaction but like it just you laughing that hard i mean it was like 
Well, that's fine. Everything's good. So thanks. Thank you for sharing that with me. You're welcome. Let's uh, let's knock out these these haikus. Happy hi hi a hi hi a haikus. Did you write one last night, or did you use one of your bank back ones? Yo, so I did something completely different. Uh oh. I had one written, and then I got in bed last night with Katie, and I said, "Hey, you want to write the haiku for tomorrow?" She said, "No." And then I said, I think you should. And then she just immediately spit one out. And that's what I went with. So this is Katie's haiku. Is that legal? A freestyled haiku too. Yeah. She, yeah. We were trying to like, we were like, we had so much fun with it. We were like starting with last sentences and then trying to build through it. Or she would do like a sentence and I would do, she'd do a five, I'd do a five and then we try to connect them. And then this is the one that she just nailed down by herself. It's a great one. Did did you have like a theme you were trying to build around or she just. We started trying to do a theme. Uh, What we first started doing was just saying. All right, we'd both say a word or a theme, and we'd be like, three, two, one, and we'd say something. And it'd be like, backyard and raccoon. And then we'd try to connect them. Um, it was fun. But she wrote this one, like, immediately, and it's awesome. I'm excited. Let me go first? Yeah. So this is Katie's haiku, which is the perfect haiku for Katie. Skipping through the town. What the heck is Target? Oops. I did it again. <laughs> Skipping through uh. the town. What the heck is Target? Oops, I did it again. I think that last line might be copyrighted <laughs> by a certain former pop star. Well, so it's actually, Oops is on the seven. And then I did it oh, again. Oh, okay. So okay. We, just to avoid copyright infringement. Yeah. I did it again. That, was, that, was, that took some uh, next level thinking to break it up like that. We had to, to process it. To not infringe on the, the copyright. Yeah. She also it's did spend thinking. an hour and a half last night at Target, so... That might have been what was on her brain. Did she uh, do it again? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, she did. And it was good. And she was getting stuff for Ellie, so it was great. Yeah. Emily and I try to finish out our reg- what we didn't get at the shower um, that was on our registry at Target the other day. And babies were freaking expensive. Yeah. We had, I, for, I forget how many dollars worth of gift cards we had. <laughs> I was up there and um, I just had, I had like 10 things. I think I had more gift cards than items in my buggy. This, this poor cashier was just and on Target's gift cards. Apparently, you like have to scratch off the thing. Yeah, and I didn't know that, so none of them were scratched off. So this dude was just had his penny out scratching off the back, so he could type in the code for like ten plus gift cards. I wish they would let you consolidate. Yeah, no, better for them and better for you. But yeah. they don't. But anyways, yeah, Target's a dangerous place. It is. All right, here's mine. I wrote. I also wrote mine uh, last night in bed. I was just thinking of my favorite TV show of all time and how much it used to stress me out that people weren't able to do something on this TV show. Mm. So that was the inspiration behind it. So here it is. One, two, three pieces. Shrine of the Silver Monkey, a kid's worst nightmare. Dude, that thing. Do you remember that thing? Oh, for sure. As soon as you said it, I thought that might be it. This thing. If y'all have never watched Legends of the Hidden Temple, first off, I'm sorry. I'll need to like go to YouTube and find some episodes. There's full episodes on there. Yeah. I like for sure recommend it. Probably the greatest TV show of all time. If not, if not the greatest TV show, the probably the definitely the greatest game show of all yeah, time. Very scary game show, in my opinion. 
Oh yeah, temple guards were oh, yeah. terrifying. I, I'm still trying to figure out the temple guard thing to this day. Yeah, scary. Like I don't know, but they had the they started out with like eight teams, eight to ten teams. I forget exactly how many, um, but it gets down to one team, and they have to run through Olmec's temple, which is basically um, this obstacle course thing. And in each room, you have to do a puzzle or something. And one of the rooms is like on the second deck of the temple. There, the puzzle is putting together the Shrine of the Silver Monkey. Yep. That might sound hard, but the Shrine of the Silver Monkey is three pieces. Three pretty distinct pieces. One piece has a flat bottom, so you know it's the bottom piece. Yep. The other piece is a head, so you know it's a top piece. So it leaves one piece that you know goes in the middle. And it would, like, ruin kids' runs in the in the temple. I would say with some anxiety and stress... You should be able to do it in under seven seconds. Oh yeah, for People sure. People are taking minutes, and maybe maybe like the thought of the temple guards in the back of their brains messed with them, because those guys used to terrify me. Yeah, like I used to think they actually kidnapped kids. They were terrifying, and they had no mercy. We don't we don't know that that's not true. That's that is true. We need, we we still need to do an investigative report on that. Yeah, but for those yeah those guys are kind of brutal. Like <laughs> I feel like they just look forward to every week them being able to hide from kids. And just having no mercy when they popped up and snatched them. Yeah, terrifying. Yeah. And I would be scared. Oh, for sure. I think that's the hardest part of the course. But that, putting together the, the monkey is not. Yeah. I don't, there was rarely temple guards in that room either. I'm pretty sure. They're always like in that, they're mostly always in that forest. Yep. But I don't remember many being in the Shrine of the Silver Monkey room. Nope. But they get, it would always like, they would spend half their time yep. trying to put together this three-piece puzzle. I know. And all I wanted to do was go to space camp, and they were ruining their chance at space camp, and I wasn't even allowed on the show. I know. And I feel like I might be remembering this wrong, but I remember that I can see the room because it's open, and yep. the, the uh, little stand where you put it together was at the front. Mm-hmm. But I think there was space on the front mm-hmm. that you could go. And so I never understood why they didn't set on the front side of that. Yeah. So they were facing out. Yeah. So they could see if there was a temple guard coming. Yeah. Maybe there wasn't enough room. But. And then, gosh. Yeah, it used to just frustrate me so much. Yeah, it's not great. And they're trying to put like the, the headpiece, which has like the big rod attached to it that goes through the other two pieces. Yeah. They're trying to like put that in the middle sometimes. Gosh. Anyways. That's a great haiku though. Good reference as well. Yeah. We could spend another 30 minutes just on Legends. I could probably Temple. do a whole podcast on Legends of the Hidden Temple. We should. All right. But, yeah, we need to move on because we'll uh, tell you all why in this next segment. Segment. If you're down and feeling kind of crappy, well, guess what? We'll make you happy. Happy headlines. Yeah. Yeah. All right. If y'all have listened before... Um, we usually do this where we both bring two headlines to the section. We're changing it up a little bit because we have a listener submission at the end. We don't want this podcast to be well, like an hour and a half long. Yep. We want to keep it around 45 minutes. So we're going to, I'm going to do one headline that is for this section and the next section, which is for forgiveness sake. Um, Logan's going to go ahead and still do two headlines, but then I'm going to follow him up and just do one headline but my one headline is going to be my headline for happy headlines. And it's going to be our uh, story together for the next segment. Okay. So just a 
abbreviate the time a little bit since yep. we have a story to get to that a listener submitted. So you go ahead and knock awesome. out. You go and, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, listener. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And you, if you want to submit, you can. Yeah, you can. And we'd we'll like to get more. We'll, we'll um, mix up our whole podcast just to fit your story in. Oh, for sure. We're willing to do that. I love that. So Logan's going to go ahead and uh, talk about his two, and we'll, we'll talk about those for a second, then I'll get into to mine. So am I doing both of mine? Yeah, go ahead and do, knock out both of yours. Okay. I'm excited about these two. Uh, completely opposite ends, which makes me happy. Actually, sorry. Let's go one. Let's go. One, let's, one. Pop, let's, let's popcorn it. Okay. You, but you just start so I can do the uh, one that flows into the next section last. Okay. I'm going to do my really, um, my real happy one first. I'm not, they're both happy. Um, but, okay. So there's this woman named Megs Yun. And she met this little girl named Beverly. She was talking with Beverly, and Beverly said, hey, I've never had a birthday party before. So she'd never had a party, never even had a slice of her own cake, never had her own cake. And so Megs met her, started talking to her, and she realized like after that conversation, like, hey, I've got to do something. So she started a nonprofit called Beverly's Birthdays. And basically the mission behind this is that Megs and her squad throw birthdays for kids who have never had a birthday. And so they work with 68 social service agencies and 88 low-income schools to provide 30,000 birthdays to children annually. And I think most of this is in the Pittsburgh area. I think all of it, but uh, they're looking to expand. But 30,000 birthdays to children annually. That's Kids that have never had a birthday. That's a lot of birthdays. And this is what uh, Megs looks like. Super happy. Um, her interview, if you get the chance and you look it up, her talking on camera is so great. She is the most charismatic person. She's just so excited. And, uh, her quote was, I get to wake up every day and help people know that they matter. I have a job of celebrating people. That's so cool. And so, yeah, they just plan birthday parties. They even have like parties for adults to put together like these birthday baskets for these kids. Um, she said, you get a big gift, a small gift. They customize it for the kids. They always put like a toothbrush and toothpaste, coloring books, crayons, et cetera. Um, and they just all get together and like basically do birthday work sh- workshops. That's they cool. assemble birthday packages. And uh, yeah, these kids that may never get or, you know, maybe their parents are in a place where they can or maybe they're part of the foster care system. Um, but yeah, they just celebrate these kids. And so she's she's trying to get people, if you are listening to this and you think that that's like a coolest idea or you know a kid, you can reach out, and there's not a contact info in here, but if you find a story, I'm sure you could find it. Um, that she said that if people are looking to do this, she's totally willing to help enable people across the country to do this in their community and change their community. So I don't know. I think a birthday um, is something that can be taken for granted, but for people who have never been celebrated, I think it's got to be one of a, a very special moment to oh, know yeah. that you're loved, you're cared for. Um, and so, yeah. I think I think kids like super look forward to their like i look forward to my birthday probably as a kid more than more than christmas for sure like i, I love like and it's probably because i knew i was gonna like my parents were going to provide a birthday party for me and i love i love birthday parties when i was a kid i hate celebrating my birthday now yeah which yeah. is weird but i remember I remember one birthday my parents did for me i was for some reason i was 
I think it. I think it, this coincided with Nickelodeon game shows again, bringing us back in. But they would always have like the slime and stuff. So I did like a. I don't. I did like a messy games party in our uh, backyard, and they just set up like all these almost like obstacle course things that you gotta get messy to get through, which probably wasn't fun for them. It probably might have not been fun for any of my friends who showed up <laughs> either. Um, I bet it was awesome. But then I remember they, they also did like a survivor themed birthday party for my sister growing up. And that was like as a family, that, that was one of our like every Wednesday night was get Quiznos, watch Survivor, and then watch CSI. So we we're super into Survivor at this at this time in our lives. First off, great night. <laughs> it was a great night. A great night. A great night. Quiznos, by the way. Great. Yeah. That's a great night. Dude, I I, I love that place. Um but yeah, they, they like put together this whole like Survivor theme birthday party for my sister and they had all these immunity challenges and people voted people off the island they had like the torches that got extinguished and everything it's amazing it's yeah it's fun I, I look forward to birthdays every year so i think it's cool that she's she's doing that because i think kids like look forward to like their birthday party it's a yeah. day it's a day for them it's a day that they get to celebrate and cake and yeah. presents and stuff like that i can't imagine being 10 hurt. Or eleven, or twelve, and never had a birthday. Yeah, and to have somebody who really doesn't know you, but believes that you deserve to be celebrated because you're human. Yeah, I think it's super cool, and I think that instills in people uh, belief and hope and joy. And so, and not to mention like the kids that are getting birthdays, but everybody else who gets affected by that, dude. That number I read it a couple times because I didn't think it was true. Thirty thousand birthdays for children annually that's a lot of birthdays that's so many birthdays i mean the math on that's crazy how many yeah. are they doing a day yeah that's and so it's i think the coolest thing i think it's super cool and i think that everybody can take something from that that all this didn't start because she wanted to start her own business she found a need and then she solved it she mean, found a need and then she just solved it that's that it means i was trying to do the quick math in my head that means they're doing like almost 100 birthdays a day because there's right. 365 days in a year they're doing thirty thousand. That's, that's almost 100 birthdays a day. Dude, they're just, and I'm sure they're going into like these schools and these areas and they've got so many people working on it. But to have the care to put something together for each kid is beautiful and I think it's deserved. Yeah, So for sure. Shout out to Megs for killing the game. Yeah, good job, Megs. All right, mine is a baseball-themed story. And the headline is, A Pitcher's Dazzling Show at a stadium speed pitch challenge, earned him a deal with the A's. So this pair of brothers, they... Do you remember when the Rangers, like, out in center field, used to have that thing where you could, like, pitch? I don't, I don't think they still have it. And it would, like, show your speed? Yep. It was, like, one of those things. These brothers went to a, a Rockies game at Coors Field, and they had, like, one of those radar gun things set up. And they did it, and... Apparently, one of the brothers, Nathan Peterson, just had an absolute cannon. And he threw, I think they clocked him at 96. <laughs> it's just a fan throwing at a game. How old is he? I don't, I don't know how old he is. He's fairly young. Like in his 20s. Like in his 20s, yeah. Um, but yeah, he, uh, I guess his, his brother like recorded him, him throwing, and it kind of kind of went viral. But apparently he had like another viral moment a few months uh, earlier, he like had a broken arm or something, and he was. I guess I, I I didn't see this video, but apparently that went viral. So he had these like two viral videos 
of him just this normal like fan just pitching and he ended up with a with a signing a contract with the A's um but his uh so it said like his journey began last August so I guess like a year ago from this month it began last August at a Nashville Sounds game which they're now the AAA affiliate of the Rangers but at the time they were the tri- AAA affiliate of the A's and he did like the speed pitch thing there and I think it said he hit like 94 that time and I guess he got some att- he turned some heads that initial time he did this this speed pitch thing at a stadium this time at a AAA game it's not even as high profile as doing it at Coorsfield yeah. for an MLB game um so he he did that thing, hit 94 a year ago. And then he's, he's like, oh, man, I kind of have an arm. So he started training for a couple months, I guess, just to chase a, chase a dream. But then a few months into his training, he got hit by a car, like broke his wrist. Did something to, I don't know if he broke his wrist. He did something to his wrist, had to have surgery. Um, but then he began talking with the A's in February of this year, of 2019. He kept training after he recovered from his surgery. Um, and then it said he started, uh, he joined a men's league to stay fresh. This dude's recovering from surgery. He's training. Um, he joins a men's league, which those dudes probably had seen nothing like him in a a men's league. No, he's probably just throwing a perfect game. Every single game in that men's league. What if he's just throwing fastballs? He's just gas. Probably. So he's probably those hard enough to blow up past people in a men's league. Yeah. Um, but then him and his brother took that trip to the Rockies game and that video of him kind of went viral and the A's saw it. And a few days after their trip to the Rockies game, the A's gave him a call and he signed a contract with them. Dude. I don't have the, like the details of the contract, like how much it was for, what, uh, level of their club he's going to be. I'm assuming it's going to be like single A or like rookie ball or something. Um, but they asked him about like his background in baseball, and he said that he just played competitive competitively up until his senior year of high school, but he didn't really have a good arm then. What? So what? Did, I wonder what he does for a living. I have no. I did, it didn't say in there. It's a pretty. It's a pretty short story. I got a notification about it last night, and I was like, "Oh, that's kind of cool." Because I remember doing those things, and like I'm about to, I'm about to touch at least eighty five. And I would do it. Which is pretty gas. And it'd be like 67. Oh. Like, yeah. I, I always had that thought in my head. I was like, I'm going to I'm gonna go throw this. this Because I used to do that, do that thing at the Rangers game. I'm going to go throw this. People are going to see me throw 90. I'm about to get signed to the Rangers. And then it happened. And then I hit 67. And then it actually happened for this guy. That's, Dude. that's nuts. Good for him. That's a cannon. Good for him. That is a cannon. I wonder, yeah, I wonder if he's like in the like working in an oil field or a construction job where he's like, because there's no way he's been sitting after high school at a desk. Yeah, I have no idea. And then idea. all of a sudden he's throwing 96. I have no idea. It said it, it did mention that he hadn't like thrown in a while, so it surprised him when he hit 96. Also, did he throw his arm out? <laughs> he did. He did like somewhat have like a crow hop throw. It wasn't like a wind up pitch. It was more of like a crow hop throw. Who cares? But still, 96 is. You can figure that out. Pretty fast for a fan. So so he's a pitcher. It's like the real-life rookie of the year. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
So that's awesome. Yeah. That'll be exciting to see how. What's his name again? Nathan Peterson. Okay. Go to work, Nathan. Just not too much work because you're on a team that's in the Rangers division. Go to work this year, Nathan. Not next year. Just do some work in, in the minors, and then get traded somewhere else. And one year apart, case. him throwing that, he could have been a Ranger. He could have been. Dang. That's awesome. That's a great story. To me? Yeah. <clears throat> okay, I'm excited about this one. Okay. Are you ready for this? Is This is one of my favorite stories. So the headline gets me, but I'm not going to read the headline yet because it'll give it away. But a hiker in British Columbia was on a walk. And apparently you'll see throughout the story, this girl's pretty familiar with hiking and her surroundings. Um, her name's Dee, and she, you know, exercise appropriate safety measures. Um, when she goes walking, she's very careful. She had her husky with her named Murphy. Um, and she realized that her and Murphy were being stalked um, by a giant cat. And so they're walking and this cougar's behind them. And so she like turns around and this cougar's like 50 feet up the trail from her. And so she gets her phone out and starts videoing and she's yelling like, hey, get out of here. And not my favorite quote in here, she says, bad kitty, bad kitty. And so this thing, this cat or this cougar is like down in the crouch position, like clearly looks like at any point it's just going to take off at her. And so this is when I knew that she clearly knows what she's doing out there. Uh, the quote was, she said, uh, that the wind was blowing the wrong way so that her dog Murphy could not smell or notice the cat initially. So if the wind would have been blown the right way, then the dog would have picked up on the scent and known. But because of how the wind was, the dog had no idea. And the dog was just looking for rabbits. So this cougar's like stalking them. is right there. Um, just like she said, it's just in this position that she just couldn't get. She would yell. It wasn't coming forward, but it was crouching down, like prowling. And uh, she just started yelling. So she stopped recording, which was very intelligent. Um, I don't think that's a video you want to have on your phone. And... So she could, she was trying to figure out what to do. So as soon as she stopped recording, she says, okay. And then she goes into her music and plays the song, Don't Tread on Me by Metallica. <laughs> so she's and then this is like the best part. She says, I thought it was the noisiest thing on my phone that would probably scare it. That also sends the message that I wanted to convey to the cougar. Don't tread on me. <laughs> Dude, let's go. I bet that cougar understood every single lyric, Dude. too. I bet he heard, don't tread on me. He's like, oh, shoot, I better not tread on me. Uh, and apparently he did, because as soon as it started started blaring, uh, it took off into the bushes and disappeared. And so she said, like, jokingly, that she does want to contact, um, like, the band co-founder and reach out to the band and thank them for saving her life. <laughs> yeah. The video, um, I'll show it to you later, but the video, there's her and her dog. Beautiful dog. Uh, um, but yeah, the video, the the cougar's very close. Like 50 feet, I mean, isn't that far? He got too close, though, because he is close enough to get hit with that Metallica. Dude, that Metallica came in, and it disappeared. He got too close. Also, the confidence of her to be able to know to set and stay, to know that she's being stalked, and then to react yeah. Because I think that I'm just taking off on a run. Oh, yeah. And that, and then, I mean, 50 feet away. So 50 feet, if I take off on a run, I'm getting caught 10 feet in. That thing's just going to run me down, and me and the dog are gone. Yeah. <laughs> We're gone. 
And so she just said, hey, what can I play? You know, she didn't pull out the scene aesthetic. You know, she didn't pull out Panic at the Disco. She pulled out Metallica. Don't tread on me. And cougars everywhere now know not to get too close, not yeah. to get within the Metallica range. Yep. What she needs to do is create a necklace that's a speaker that literally uh, can only play Don't Tread on Me uh, real loud. That's what she needs to do. She has to push a button and it starts playing. Yeah. So you just know, hey, animals everywhere, bears, cougars, lions, don't do it. Don't tread on me. Don't tread on me. But shout out to her, man. What song would you play if you were in that situation? Ooh. Um, I'm, pl- I'm probably going with some like God of the City. Yeah, that would be good. Some worship. Yeah. Because I don't really know if I want to scare the cat away. I might want to befriend it. Yeah. You know? Baptize it real quick. Maybe some uh, dashboard confessional. Yeah. You know, some all-American rejects. Mm-hmm. Swing, swing. Something like that. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. That'd be a real bummer, though, if I open up my phone real quick. I'm just trying to play something, and I start playing my own music, <laughs> and then I'm dead. And then I die, <laughs> and people think that I was on the trail listening to my own music. <laughs> That'd be my luck. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Don't tread on. Shout out to D and Murphy for holding it down on the on the trails. All right. So, again, my last one is going to be the last one for this section and also the one that we do for the next segment, for goodness sake. Um, so this, the headline is Autistic Organ Boy Finds Treasure in Friendship with Garbage Truck Driver. And I'm going to start this off by not focusing on him, focusing on kind of their family dynamic and what led up to the story. And this is um, the bad part of the story is that so this family, they lived in Russia and they immigrated to the U.S. to um, for as religious refugees because they were in this community and they were just being like super discriminated because of their beliefs. So um, they immigrated to the U.S. as religious refugees, and they said like in their community they were like denied opportunities to take university entrance exams, and that they were like overall just treated like second class citizens. So they uh, they immigrated to the U.S. And they have this son, his name, again, I always pick the stories with names that are hard to pronounce, even though they're really short. I think it's pronounced Dima, D-I-M-A. They have a son named Dima. And Which, he by has, the way, if that's how you pronounce it, super cool name. Yeah. I don't know if Dima is cool or Dima. No, Dima. Eh, Di, eh, Dima. I don't know we're, if it matters. We're going to go with Dima. It's kind of it's a flex name. They have a, they have a son named Dima. They immigrated to the U.S. with him. Dima is autistic. Um, he started, they said he started exhibiting uh, behaviors indicative of autism when he was around two years old. Um, they just noticed some signs that he refused to be held or to look in a, uh, his parents' eyes, and he, like, never learned to speak. Mm. Um, and he, like, jumped at loud noises and just kind of overall withdrew from like human interaction and human touch. So they started noticing that when he was two years old and then eventually he was diagnosed with um, autism. But they said that if they 
weren't able to immigrate to the U.S. that the doctors in Russia would have had no idea what to do for Dima. Mm. So they had like a, obviously had like a hard situation in Russia um, being discriminated against, like what they said being treated as second-class citizens. So they sought immigration and because of their immigration to the U.S., they're able to find some doctors in a community that were able to help Dima. Um, so they were able to find, um, they, they moved into a community of like fellow immigrants um, that they were free to practice their religion. Um, and his parents, Dima's parents, were able to access specialized therapy programs and classes to help Dima learn to interact with others. They got access to like more well-equipped doctors to help Dima. And they even they have like all these different uh, therapy opportunities now. Like they drive to a, a nearby town every single week for horse therapy. Every October they fly to Florida for a five day camp, um, where Dima has like a bunch of activities that he can do to um, kind of get more comfortable with with human interaction. So he gets to swim with dolphins and a bunch of other fun activities, um, and. They said, like, over the years, um, with the help of a lot of these therapists and doctors and their community, that Dima had begun expressing more emotion. Um, he began hugging his parents and using simple phrases to communicate, just, like, simple needs, like he's hungry or that he's sleep sleepy. They said the biggest change in Dima's demeanor was his weekly interactions with the garbage man, mm. which I think garbage men overall are kind of underappreciated for sure see they do it they do a job that if there weren't garbage men like garbage men make our life a lot easier yeah yeah which we don't even really recognize yeah just uh we expect it we're entitled to it yeah but they we feel entitled to it i feel like they're are very underappreciated people um but yeah this 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 particular garbage truck driver his name is <laughs> Rene Vesey. You always pick those names. Man. I know. And they're always like four letter names, but they could be pronounced numerous ways. But we're going with Rene Vesey. It's a garbage truck driver um, that has a route that goes by these people's house. They live, I think it was in Portland is, is where they live. Um, he also immigrated to the U.S. from Estonia in 1996. And he said um, this about like three years ago, he noticed a like small boy peeking out the window for behind the curtains. So he started like waving at him every time he drove by. And then he noticed the boy like starting to smile at him when he drove by. And they eventually started like he, the Demas eventually like started coming out and they built a relationship together. And he said over the past three years, so that I guess they eventually, they initially met three years ago. He said over the past three years, uh, Dima and himself, they've developed an unlikely friendship that um, Dima's parents say has allowed their son to become more confident and open to social interaction. Um, so this guy will show up on, a, on his route. He'll, he'll stop at, at their house. He'll bring gifts for Dima. And um, some of the gifts, he's brought him like a model of garbage truck and a pamphlet about recycling. But I don't think it's about necessarily gifts it's yeah. about dima recognizing this guy oh like taking the time to stop and just interact 
with him. Um, but the family had to move. They moved from their apartment that was like early on in his route to a house that was still on his route, but it was later on in his route. Um, so his new route did not pass by their house before Dima had to go to school. So he kind of lost uh, being able to see the garbage man every single day, which mm. was a huge deal for Dima. It said he, Dima grew despondent. He didn't want to go to school because he knew he was going to miss seeing the garbage man and that he would just like wrap himself in blankets and wait for the garbage truck to come. So I guess his parents like let him stay home from school a couple of times because it's kind of like shattered his world. Yeah. Like not being able to see this man that he built a connection with every That's single day. So he would just, if he didn't go to school, which apparently he didn't want to go to school because he wanted to see the garbage man, he would just sit there in a, wrapped in a blanket waiting for him to come. Um, and there's a couple quotes from his sister and she said that his entire familiar world was blown apart when his, uh, when they moved and he didn't get to see the garbage man as much. Um, but Renee garbage truck driver, he decided to alter his route to serve the boy street before Dima left for school. So it probably wasn't convenient for him to jump like towards the end of his route and make stop by their house first. And then continue the rest of the route. But he altered his route so he could uh, see Dima before he left for school. Um, and even even the, Renee said, when I didn't see him, it just felt like my day was incomplete. Um, so he obviously had this this big connection with, with Dima. And it kind of, the whole story kind of closed out with a, with a quote from Dima's father. And he's talking about Dima. And he said... He lives in his own world, uh, and this interaction with the garbage man creates a bridge between our world and his, and it takes away the fear because we know that there are good people who will help him. So there's a lot, like, just from them experience discrimination in Russia to moving here to because they moved here, they now have opportunities to help Dima to this garbage truck driver stepping up to them moving and like it not being first on his route and then him altering it. There's just a lot of stuff going on in the story, but yeah, I, I love that the story ended with a quote from Dima's dad talking about that. There are good people who are willing to help them. Dude. And that good person just happened to be in the form of Renee Vesey a garbage truck driver. So good job, Renee. Um, yeah, it's crazy that, that they like did everything they could. They took him to all these camps. And all that yeah. stuff was helpful, but like the least likely, you know. I mean, yeah. it's, the, it's the guy that just picks the trash up every day. Yeah, and not that he's any less, but there's not like a connection. Yeah, I'm sure he didn't have a ton of connection to the people he picks trash up from. He, well, he he did say, which I'd never even thought about this. He said that. The the family's like on his route. He sees them. I guess he probably doesn't see them every day, but he sees them pretty often because he's picking up trash. I, I guess it's not every day. For us, it's two times a week. So he's seeing these families like weekly, and he, he like mentions something about like their kids and, and their families like feel like my family because I see them so often. Dude. So 
But yeah, he just took the time to, he saw this kid peeking out from behind the curtains and it just led to this, this awesome relationship that sounds like is beneficial for both of them. Yeah. Help, that's super help, dope. Help Dima with his, uh, his interactions with people. And Renee said that his days just felt incomplete when he couldn't see him. So I thought that was a, a super cool story. That's super cool. All right. So we do have a listener submission. Boom. If you do want to submit, I think Logan already mentioned this. You can email us at listen to the good at gmail.com with any stories you see with um, people that you think need to be recognized with anything that you witness out in everyday life. Yep. Or any just good news stories that you see. Yep. Send them to us and we'll, we'll feature them. Um, but this story, we need to build a segment intro for this. I know. I know. This one's from you. We got it. I'll just cut that out and I'll start a new segment intro. This one's from you. There it is. There it is. So, this story, I don't know if you saw this or not. I think this was somewhat of a big story that was circulating. But um, Ethiopia... They planted more than 350 million trees in a 12-hour span. What? It broke a world record. I think shattered a world record. But they were, they weren't doing it in, in order to get like a world record, yeah, obviously. Yeah. Um, but they're uh, it's this like whole reforestation campaign named the Green Legacy, and is spearheaded by their prime minister. But their prime minister, like, basically gave the whole country the day off so they could participate as a whole country in planting trees. And they ended up planting, what was the exact number? 353,633,660,000, or sorry, I just butchered that, 350, 353,633,660 trees Dude. in 12 hours in one day. Broke a world record. Again, they weren't trying to do that. wasn't their intention with doing this. Um, but yeah, the whole country got the day off to come together as a whole country to do the simple task of planting trees. And they planted a ton of trees. They did. Um, this, this, uh, their prime minister, I guess, is, is fairly active on Twitter. Um, and he, he was just like giving updates on Twitter as the day um, progressed. And in the first... Um, Six hours of the day, your prime minister tweeted that around 150 million trees had already been planted. So six hours, 150 million trees were already planted. Um, and then it got into some stats about Ethiopia and like why they were doing this and um, all that. So right now, less than four, well, probably not anymore since this happened, but before this happened, less than 4% of Ethiopia's, Ethiopia's land is forested and compared um, to the end of the 19th century, at the end of the 19th century, which would be like the uh, end of the 1800s, um, they had around 30% of their oh land was forested. So that's a decrease of 26% from that's 30% to 4% in, I guess, a little over 100 years. Um, so they were like suffering from the effects of cli uh, uh, climate crisis with land degradation, soil erosion, deforestation, and recurrent droughts and flooding um, that was exasperated by agriculture 
agriculture, and that said like 80% of Ethiopians, Ethiopia's population depends on agriculture as a livelihood. And then it got into um, some kind of crazy stats. I think I wrote them down. Um, yeah. So re- restoring the world's lost forests could remove two-thirds of all the planet-warming carbon that is in the atmosphere because of human activity. Um, and let's see. So restoring degraded forest all over the world could capture about 205 billion tons of carbon in total. And I think it said like 10 billion um, tons of carbon are produced like every year. Um, yeah, global uh, carbon emissions are around 10 billion tons per year. But yeah, I thought it was cool that, and I'm glad this was submitted to us because I hadn't seen this story. But it's super cool that a whole country yeah, and their prime minister, who sounds like he was kind of the, the man behind us, basically gave the whole country off. And they, like, as a country, came together to do this thing that's going to kind of change the country in the future. But it's probably already changing the country because I think any time that you're as like a whole country, you're united around any one thing, even if it's just like planting seeds in the ground, like you you have a common goal. That's just going to build unity. So I thought, oh, that was a cool story. That's amazing. Yeah. So thank you, listener. Yeah. For submitting that. Yeah. Thank you, um, Ethiopia. And yeah, thank you, Ethiopia. 12, yeah. hour, 12 hours. It's not a long time. It's not a long time. for a lot three, of trees. 353 million trees. That's a lot of trees. It's a lot of trees. But yeah, again, if y'all will have any stories like that that you come across, send them to listen to the good at gmail.com. We will feature them. Uh, we, we, if we get a lot, we probably can't feature all of them because we don't want this this the episodes of this podcast to be three hours long. We're trying to keep it fairly digestible. Um, but yeah, if you have anything... Send them to the, the email, listen to the good at gmail.com, and we'll, we'll try to work them into some episodes. Um, got anything else? Nope. I think that's all we got for you guys today. But yeah, we it's hope been a good morning. Yeah, it has. We hope y'all have an awesome week. And as always, on the lookout for the good. <laughs>